Welcome to the Powered With Love podcast, the podcast that brings to you what's working on the coalface from people within our community who are defying the odds. The podcast that gives you the ability to power your life with love. I'm the host, Stephen Cromedy, and let's get stuck into today's edition. So my goal is to provide you as much value as I possibly can in this short time that we have together. And today what I want to talk about, I want to talk about driving sales, driving profits, and driving the level of customer service through fracturing stereotypes. So it's something that not everyone focuses on, but your big companies, the companies that are making headway in the world, the companies that are leading the industries that they're in are the companies who are fracturing stereotypes. So what's some of the companies that are fracturing stereotypes and they use this as a measure on how they approach everything they do? First of all, we've got none other, none other than Elon Musk. So he's using the, uh, the tool of fracturing stereotypes to drive everything his company does. The second company that would stand out would be Apple. So Apple, yet again, uses everything they do with the decisions that uh, they make by governing what fractures stereotypes. And then, of course, a company that probably not a lot of people know much about, it would be Disney. Disney does everything they do through fracturing stereotypes. So I'm sure you've heard of people like uh, Grant Cardone. You've heard of people um, like Gary Vee. Again, these people are fracturing stereotypes in how they approach everything. And one of the things I wanted to tie into would be that if we go back with what Sid's Sido spoke to you about, Paul Sidorowski, your six human needs. He spoke about fear, false evidence appearing real. One of the things that typically stops people from focusing on the areas that I'm speaking about is exactly that, wanting to blend in, wanting to do what everyone else is doing. Now, you have a phenomenal leader. You know, with someone like Nathan, you've got someone who most definitely is comfortable standing out. So I'm sure that all of you are okay standing out. You're okay being a little bit different. So let's talk about how this works. Before I do that, and without laboring on it, I just wanted to talk about my journey. So so you have an understanding as to who you're speaking with. And uh, so when I started this business, I, uh, I had something like minus $10,000 uh, to my name. So since then, we've got a portfolio of 14 properties. We also have a property management department with 1,400 um, properties in that as well. And in addition to that, we've got an LVR of about 17%. So what that means, that's the ratio of debt that we're holding across those assets that we've just spoken about. So that really means nothing. On you know, if, it's just an idea, you know, if you guys are in the fitness industry and girls are in the fitness industry, so when I say guys, I'm referring to girls as well. Um, but what I wanted to say to you was this, you measure how your clients are going based on their measurements and their body fat, right? And we also look at the visual fat and we look at how that's going. And that gives us a measurement as to how what we're doing with our clients is working or not working. So all I've done is I've provided you my measurements on what I'm about to talk about, what impact that's had on my life and the people that I work with their life as well. 
So let's drill down into it. And then at the end of it, what we'll do, if you have any questions, if you want to um, ask anything at all, I'll give you the opportunity to do that. So the very first thing that a company does when they're fracturing stereotypes or when they're going in with that approach, what they do is they study the industry. So it wouldn't matter what business I'm in with the coaching clients I've worked with, what I get them to do, I get them to sit down and identify exactly what happens from a client's perspective on a stereotypical view in the industry that we're in. So for instance, we used real estate as an example, we go, okay, let's talk about the stereotypes with a real estate agency. So number one, what we do, we start with the environment. So when someone first walks into an office, what's their first observations of that office? Is it showy? Is it ego? Is it sterile? What is it? Then we talk about their first impressions. With their first impressions, it's what they think of that environment. Is it expensive? You know, is it, um, is it cold? Uh, what, what do we talk about and what do we observe with those uh, customers' first impressions? Then what we do in identifying the stereotypical behaviours, we then look at the provider within the industry. So when we look at the provider, what we do, we ask, how does that person show up? How do they turn up? So with it being a real estate agent, is it just about the deal? Lack of knowledge, lack of urgency, doesn't call me back, sleazy, all those type of things that we think of from a stereotypical perspective. Then in the last quadrant, what we look at, we then look at the how the customer spends their time making a decision when they observe one of these things, either A, in the environment, or B, in the service provider. Once we've done that part of the discovery, then what we do, and what we have done in this business, is we design everything we do around doing the complete opposite to what we've just observed. And it's only until you do that that you're then in a position to design the company's values because the values of an organisation define the expected behaviours and with those expected behaviours, what they're there to do is fracture those stereotypes. What we want to understand, so right now as we speak, I've been very fortunate I'm just in the middle of signing off a contract with some of the leaders that were running uh, Disney itself. So you had Steve Jobs, you had the board of directors, then you had these people, um, Norm Noble, Suzette Noble, Cal and Rob. So with these particular people, what they were doing, every decision they make past that point is based on making sure that they're creating the emotions they want to create versus not create. So that's the very first step of the process, making sure that everything that you're doing is governed around an experience-based business that's geared towards creating the emotions you want to create versus not create. The second part of bringing this to life is creating a events calendar or a lifeline calendar, whether or not you call it a calendar or a flowchart, right? So what we've just done, we've just mapped out a team member's experience 
here at Love Realty. So you've got the interview. What happens at the interview? Well, what happens after the interview? What sort of experience do you give that person? The second thing is, you know, the people that are unsuccessful, what happens to the people that are successful their first day, their first month? the expiration, the qualification period, first six months, first 12 months, you know, first sale, first monumental moment. Then, obviously, an events calendar. And the reason why this is really important and we understand that it might sound very basic, but I'm telling you, just like with building muscle, it takes time and it's those small things. It's the 1%. If we look at 100%, it's broken up of 101%. If we leave out that 1% because it comes from our personal circumstances or our personal opinion tied to what we believe is important, we're never going to truly know which part of the decision was either A, one on which 1% or when it was lost or we lost that client or they walked out of the gym or they didn't sign up, we're not going to know which 1% lost them. So it's really important that we understand that these foundational values, these foundational way of making decisions, it's not based on my opinion because it was up to me, I'll deliver 1%, forget the 99, it's a hell of a lot easier. But it's based on these companies that are in the Fortune 100 that are navigating and changing the way we view the world. So again, with the events calendar with a team member, it's very, very different to their timeline of employment. The events calendar, birthdays, divorces, um, anniversaries, uh, sickness, death, everything. Reason why this is important because the relationship a, a company has with its team members will be uh, reflected in the relationship and what's expected with the clients. Now, if you're wondering what happens next after you've done that, you then do the exact same thing with the clients you serve. So with me, we've got a number of clients we need to identify and build these timelines around. We have the uh, landlords, we have the tenants, we have buyers, we have sellers. So with you, you have the one client that you need to do this with. So it shouldn't be too big of a job for you guys to get together as a group of leaders, as individuals, and start building these timelines. And then most importantly, look at what you're going to provide to these people at these key moments to create an experience. Because if you're going to absolutely continue to dominate, which you absolutely are, right, and congratulations to you, but what you want to do, you want to turn what you do into an experience-based business. Think about that. What's the experience you're providing your clients? What's your rate of return like? How many people do they bring back with them? These are the measurables that give you an undertaking and an understanding as to how you're truly performing. So with this, what you also want to identify, you want to fall in love with being different. If you fall in love with being different, that's your, you know, we always talk about what is our unique selling proposition and everyone needs a unique selling proposition. But if you're only ever coming from a base of a unique selling proposition, what you're only ever doing, you're winning business based on tricks and gimmicks, based on your next biggest uh, strategy that you're rolling out for the month. And that's how you, that, you know, that's how typically most businesses function. How they function is what's our gimmick? What's our what's what what's our offering next month? Are we what are we throwing in in order to generate the sales? 
That's how we've been taught to do business. That business, what it has, it has a diminishing sense of value. It has a diminishing sense of value. And the reason why it has a diminishing value attached to it is because each time something doesn't work, you're doing something that cuts into the profits. And every single one of you that are tuned in today, you should fall in love with running and being involved with a profitable business. There's two metrics that you should have. It should be customer satisfaction and the profitability of the business. And everything that you do should be driving the level of customer satisfaction in the business and the level of profits. And they go in in that order. The happier your clients are, the more clients will come to you and the more they'll be prepared to pay you for the services that they provide to you. So if I look at our business, right, because essentially here at Love, if you look at a real estate agent, when I first got into real estate, I know that I look 28. I get that. I understand I look 28. However, when I, and this would be hard to believe, when I got into real estate, there wasn't any Google. There was nothing. So, you know, doing a coloured ad was perfect. You know, doing a coloured ad in the paper, that was next level. That was kicking ass. Here's what happens now. Oh, and sorry, back then when they used to uh, want information, who did they have to go to? The real estate agents. So they came to us for information. So just like you, we're in the same... Yeah? Great question. Is it fair to say they were real estate agents that were charging a $1,000 flat fee? Remember them? $1,000 flat fee. Yeah, and they're still there today. Yeah, they're still there today. And... What I was going to say is, here's the the thing, right? Real estate agents held the key with all the information. Here's what I'm going to say to you. If you can't outvalue what someone provides on Google, you're going out of business. If you can't outvalue what someone can get on Google, you're going out of business. So I'm about to tell you something. You're never going to compete with the information that's provided on Google. You're never going to commit with the. Inf- you're never going to be able to compete with that. So what you've got to do, you've not only got to be have more knowledge than that, that than what those platforms pertain and what they can provide the clients that you serve. You've got to provide your clients something that those platforms can't compete with, and that's an experience. And that experience needs to tie back into fracturing stereotypes and looking at each and every single monumental moment from a staff member, team member's perspective and from a client's perspective in that order and deliver on those key moments. So I could talk on this subject all day. However, I think from that from what I've delivered, unless you want some more information around how you can provide that, I'm ready if you would have some questions or Nathan, you want to have some 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 input, but I uh, I feel that uh, that helps point you in the right direction. I'll probably I'm just going to go into more detail about the the thousand dollar flat fee because we, we we know that a real estate agent charges fifteen to twenty thousand or a percentage, and. We're in the industry too where we've got gyms around the corner that are cheaper and we're competing on price. Steve, what's the difference between you and a flat fee, thousand bucks? You're going to charge 20 grand. Why would I choose your firm? Okay, so first of all, I'm going to answer that in two parts, right? So if we just look at COVID, would you all suggest that real estate was hard hit during COVID, yes or no? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, we never complied with JobKeeper, our profits went up. 
So I'd, I unfortunately didn't get JobKeeper. So our, impro- our profit margins increased by 8% over that period. So I'll tell you why um, that uh, we are, you know, why someone would pay us a higher fee. Because we have systems and processes designed towards getting the clients the highest and best possible price they can. We've also got the metrics in addition to that. So what we've done, uh, we've identified our five different types of clients that we work with and we've identified their needs and wants because in this discovery journey, right, what you've got to do, you've got to learn to speak to your clients on a level that's important to them, not you. So from a real estate agent's perspective, when we talk to a seller, we could talk about the best marketing we provide. Who gives a shit? Does it really matter? You don't need someone to market your home. You can get access to the best photographer in the planet. You can. You don't need a real estate agent to provide marketing. However, we do that. You know, what about advertising? Who, whatever. Advertising doesn't really mean that much anymore. You can get access to any platform on the world, in the world. You know, the best platform in the world is, is social media. The real estate platforms talk to the people that are looking at transacting. Social media talks to everyone. So what we've done is say a seller, this is the language that's important to them. They want to know that you can get them the best price from the best buyer with no locked in contracts, with flexible terms, and they want a fair fee. So every conversation that we have with a seller is on a language that's important to them, not us. Because you've got to remember, right, you've got someone coming in, their positional requirements with what they want to achieve from going to the gym varies. It's different for everyone. But what are the core needs of every client that comes in? So you might have your five different types of clients, and and I'll talk to you about that in a second, because I just want to really get these juices flowing for you so you can start thinking differently, because it starts today. You've got to start thinking different today. So if you look at a buyer, an investor, an investor wants to achieve their investment goal, which is typically connected to either rate of return or capital growth. If we look at a buyer who wants a property to move into, they want to know that they've got the best buy in the marketplace with the most amount of features at a good price. So there's agents that walk around town going, you know, I'm going to be the problem here because you're going to have to pay this, you know, exorbitant price for this home. That might be good for the owner, but stop and think about this. I'm going to get more money out of a buyer when they feel I've got their back and I'm talking to them on a language that's important to them. And then those people, you know, think about how they feel. They feel like their circumstances have have been acknowledged. They feel unique. They feel important. So we've got to identify what's the language that we need to start speaking in order to connect with our clients. So Nathan, to answer that question, There is no one specific reason other than the way that we communicate with our clients that we don't even need to go in with a unique selling proposition. It's not even required. Um, If you look at our market share, uh, we've at this stage sold something like 176 homes for the year. Uh, If you just use our our nearest competitor, which is PRD, they've sold 138 uh, homes for the year and they've got twice as many people in their team. So, you know, as soon as you get this right, what happens is have you heard that saying you know people don't buy what you do they buy they buy why you do it so once you once you start communicating and vibrating this language people buy people will buy into why your gym exists people will buy in into why you do what you do not what you do because everyone advertises what they do 
you're a gym. I'm a real estate agent. People know what we do for fuck's sake, but they need to know <laughs> why. They, they need to know why we do it. Sorry, I totally agree. I totally agree. Mm. No. Questions, guys? Anyone got any questions? Yes. Um, obviously, we've been in business for a very long time, and you do the same thing every day, back to back. How, we also do the same thing every day, back to back. How do you prepare yourself in the morning that you have, you'll be bored, you have the same answers, same questions, but I still got to keep A game? Okay, so first of all, um, Andy, in my room, I've got some black, I've got some journals, got to use it, got to be careful what friggin' words we use these days. Can you go bring my journals in? I just want to show them something. So every single day, right, I, uh, so I get out of bed at 20 to 5. Because I, I guess I, I just want to answer that question just by this um, by this by this opening comment, right? How well you start your day is going to determine the success of your day. Now, I absolutely hate I absolutely hate the standards I have to hold. Pisses me off. I uh, I hate getting up early. I hate watching what I eat. I hate training. I hate it. And people say to me, Steve, what do you use the hate word for? And I said, because everyone naturally assumes, right, I've got another one, another one that looks like this, right? There's another one that's started that looks like this. So can you grab all of them? And so what happens, right, reason why I say that is so we can connect with each other because everyone thinks it comes natural to me. It does not come natural to me. Number one, I was born naughty. So I naturally want to be naughty. Number two, number two, um, I struggle just like everyone else. So what do I do? 20 to 5, I get out of bed. I then go to CrossFit. I then meal prep for my day. I do it of the day. It just works for me to do that. Then I come into work. What I do, right, is I write out my goals every single day without failure. And, um, and what I do is... Um, what I do is... I write out my goals, so you can see that there. So um, haven't done today's yet. Today's the only day that I haven't done it, and I will do that, but I write out my goals. So I start off with I am a beast, <laughs> and then I just list <laughs> I list everything. I've got my short-term goals. I've got my long-term goals there, and then I do my... Be like Nathan James. <laughs> <laughs> so, so be like Nathan James? I, I don't know who that guy is. Who are you talking about? <laughs> That's the number one thing we say when someone says, right, oh, have you heard and such and such? We go, no, no, no. So let's just say that you heard James Nathan. haven't heard him. I'm sure he's a good guy, though. Um, <laughs> one day he'll get known. And so then we do, then I do the gratitude, right? And then, in addition, I then set out what I need to do today. So why do I share that with you in that level of detail? Because... Everyone, there's two things, right? People either crave structure or they need structure. Without structure, you're going to not be able to keep yourself on track. It's as simple as that. So that's how I do it. And then I've got my, and then I've got my goals and my goal books are here. And um, so I've got my business goals and I've got personal goals. That's how I do it. If I didn't have that, Jesus Christ, I could be doing anything. Any any other questions? Can we unmute? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm just. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yep. I was just um asking at the end. You 
um, when you mentioned to focus about the why, right? Why, why do we do what we do? Um, on how would you communicate the why linked uh, when you said before with the with the values of the of the organization, right? Um, how would you, in our level, for example, as a, as a sales team, um, to communicate that with uh, with the clients or the, the members? How would you communicate the the why of the company, like, or how do we understand better the why of of, of different companies? You know what I mean? Okay, so that's a really really good question. First of all, I would be suggesting to Nathan that every single person that's on you know online today um, listens to start with why by Simon Sinek. And what we start to do is we learn the difference between the neocortex, uh, you know, uh, and, and cerebral part of the brain and how we communicate. So you need to do that. So everyone needs to listen to start with why. Everyone in this organisation, that's what they have to do before they start. The second thing is that if you look at our why, our why here is improving people's lives. So we don't really promote that that much. We don't get out there. I don't go to a client and say, you know, if I am seeing a client, I don't go and say, hi, Mr. and Mrs. Client, you know, my name's Steve, I'm going to improve your life. What we do is the best way to articulate that, ready? If you hang out with a group of Christians, you kind of work out the Christians, don't you, without them having to say it, if they're not uh, telling you everything about themselves. If you hang out with a group of atheists, you kind of work out you're hanging out with a group of atheists. Why? Because of the values they display through their behaviours. So, it's once you identify your why, what you do is you identify the values and then you identify the expected behaviors connected to those values. So, so they should be almost, you've got this going really well when they're going, don't know what it is about you guys. Number one, you feel different to everyone. Number two, it's just like you're here to help us live longer, as an example. Or you, it's like you're trying to help us uh, live a, uh, a better quality of life. You're just all different. You see, so it's through those values that are connected through the behaviours. So you'll be behaving a particular way that delivers on the why. Sorry, man, I was just going to ask, what's your number one motivator? Like, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What really pushes you and what drives you? Oh, wow. Whew. My, um, it sounds uh, interesting because, you know, if I answered that in two parts, right, I'm at a position where technically financially and SIDS will confirm I don't have to work. Like I could sell up, I could um, spend $1,000 a day for the rest of my life and, ha and, and still be okay. Would not bother me. Who gives a shit? Um, and I don't say that to um, impress you, but more to impress upon you is that thought crossed my mind a number of times, particularly, um, you know, I lost my mum 18 months ago. That really smashed me. And at that point, I thought about checking out. And I guess it's just that desire that I don't want the music to die in me. I want to improve people's lives. I I want to help people and... And, you know, it's just that drive. It, I, I can't explain it. It's just connected to those goals. I, um, there was a study done, and, and I think this is important to help all of you unlock, unlock this for you because it's not what's important to me. It's what, what's important to you. And, um, and that's probably the biggest thing. I want to make this about you. The, 
there was a study done and the study was done with Oxford or one of those universities over there and they wanted to identify what makes someone more successful than someone else. And this was a really TED Talk. So if, uh, this was a really good TED Talk. So if you guys listen to TED Talks, you may have heard this. And, uh, and so what they did is when they were studying these people, they looked at their background and it wouldn't matter if they had a single parent or two parents. It, that didn't seem to make a difference. They looked at uh, their, 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 their level of finances, you know, where they came from, demographic. That didn't seem to make any difference between who, who completed the degrees, who ended up really successful, who ended up more successful, less successful. That didn't really change anything as well. There were really no patterns there. They looked at IQ and emotional intelligence and they thought this will surely reveal something. Nope didn't reveal anything then they then they created a measurement for what's called grit and you would have heard Kerwin Ray possibly talk about grit you might have heard that a couple of times and so what they identified is the people who had the most amount of grit were the people that had the highest marks and ended up with the most amount of success and grit typically came from what they identified people who had who had had serious adversity in their life. And you know that story where they say, you know, well, my life was shit, that's why, I, that's why I'm doing drugs, that's why I'm running amok, or my life was shit, that's why I'm kicking ass. So what they identified was this, right, was how can you create grit? If that wasn't your life, how can it be manifested? How can it be created? And this is what I'm going to tell you. Grit is created by the manifestation of goals. Grit is created by understanding that learning is not finite, it's infinite. And what they understood is that everyone that had grit saw failure as opportunity. Everyone that had grit understood that was no end to learning and everyone who had grit was always setting goals and when they achieved them, resetting new ones. So if you want to create grit, you've got to create your own goals. You've got to create a sense of wanting to learn and understand that nothing's infinite it's finite Uh, nothing's finite sorry it's infinite and so so i would say that's what drives me that's what that gets me out of bed those things wanting to be better not from a sense of ego just wanting to not have the music die in me connected to those goals and something i always ask people to do that work with me there's two things right number one write your obituary number one write your obituary why? Because I'm fucking coming for you. No, I'm just joking. But write your... <laughs> <laughs> just want to make sure everyone's listening. Write your obituary because go and live the life now as to how you want to be remembered. Do it now. What are you waiting for? Number two, define and identify what your purpose is, right? So with your purpose, why the hell are you on the earth? So in 2004... Um, Jesus, I won't send Andy off to go and get the journal because it's a small one. But in 2004, I identified what my purpose was. If you're coming from those two perspectives, that will drive you. And I'm telling you, if you're in a sales service industry or in, if you're in the industry of living your life to the fullest, you want to do those two things. You want to do those two things because then that becomes your rudder. That becomes your waypoint. That becomes the celery test of what you say yes to, what you say no to. Obviously, you're successful. I'm off. Hello? Obviously, what you're doing now 
your success for doing it. Uh, obviously, maybe at the start you weren't, but was there anything that you did before real estate that you tried to do or something that you weren't most successful at? So, obviously, people that are quite successful have failed at a lot of things. So, I know you would have failed probably within your own business at the start, but was there previous companies or business or things that you were doing that you failed at? Yeah, that's a really good question. A really good question. Um, look at that rooster there. So, <laughs> um, I, gee whiz. So what did I do beforehand that I failed at? Look, I fail every day would be the first thing that I would say. I've made uh, investment decisions that haven't come off. Um, you know, I remember I bought a house at, at 20 Meadow Road, New Lambton, and uh, I had a bank valuation of 400. I thought I was smoking and uh, put it on the market for 450, and I sold that for 252. And uh, at the time, that felt like the end of the world. Um, I, um, I, you know, there's just so many things. Like, I, I guess if you're looking for that key, you know, how long did I grind for, uh, I guess there's, the, the, the short answer would be this. You know when people say that um, you can do anything, don't believe that that's bullshit. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> that's abs like because think about this, right? You know, um, I know we're all gifted human beings. I know every single one of you are gifted, but the reality is you've got talents, and some of those talents are better than some of the things that you believe are your talents. So, um, so what I always say is find what you're good at and throw your all into it. And it's not until you give up a backup plan that you're not going to stand. That, that, that it's not until you give up your black backup plan and burn the boats until you're going to stand that test of time. And that's different for everyone. So rather than focus on my failures, which there, there's so many, it's not funny. There's heaps. Like you know, you could have a failed relationship. I think that's failure. You know, you could have a failed business venture. You could have all these failed things. But what it is, it's understanding that in life, right, in life, here's what you want to do. Number one, you want to um, make sure you know where you're going. So you want to have a goal. Number two, you want to have the right strategy. Number three, you want to apply massive determined action. That's Anthony Robbins' three pillars to success. And here's what you want to do. When something doesn't work, you want to, number one, before you change your strategy, you want to double your action. Number two, if that doesn't work, you then want to triple your action. Then if that doesn't work, you want to adjust your strategy. Only after you do that formula, that's what you do. That's how you end up becoming successful at whatever it is that you work on. But you never adjust that goal down. Ever. You adjust it up, you don't adjust it down. That would be my first bit of advice based on your question. The second part of it would be this, is understand, do not determine what you're capable of next to other people around you, in the room with you, or anything. If Usain Bolt determined how fast he could run based on the squad that he trained with, he would have never have realised your true, his true potential. Your true potential will only ever be realised when you attach it to the goals that you 
you want to achieve and then you apply the actions that you're prepared to commit to. It's as simple as that. And then last but not least, the third point is remember that success comes when it's ready. I'm a fucking weirdo when I say this, but here's what I want to say to you. The universe will give you what you're ready for when you're ready to receive it. I've only ever met people never achieve success because they've given up given up not because they've kept going so just so because you talk about like um like attraction sort of thing and manifesting are you like a big believer in the secret then yeah, I am a big believer in the secret, but can I explain it to you? So if I choose to not do something, there's going to be a consequence. If I choose to do something, there's going to be a consequence of that. And that's karma. Like karma is not something that you sit there and manifest and it just happens. You've got to do something or not do something as a consequence. So you go, okay, I'm going to sign up 10 members today. If you don't speak to anyone, you're not going to sign up any members. Simple. If you're going to sign up 10 members and you know that you need to speak to three to get one was pretty simple you got to speak to 30 people so yes i believe in the secret but the part that is the missing ingredient is you actually got to get off your ass and do something you can't just sit there and go hey listen i want this it's going to happen you've got a number one visualize it number two get the strategy number three um apply the apply the level of effort i think that like you said you know Grit is what makes people successful, and you know, people that are doing grit and stuff like that that have that grit in them are the people that are those positive thinkers. Like, you look at anyone that really has that determination and that is successful, they're never a negative person normally, they're always that positive. Obviously, that comes back to you know, that law of attraction because they're always thinking positive, the positive things are going up. Absolutely. Spherical influence is everything and um, you've got to be careful. And there's two things with sphere of influence. So my friends and family are friends and family. They're not necessarily my sphere of influence. My sphere of influence is completely different to my friends and family. And, uh, and I think that in itself takes courage because when I train people on that, not that I'm courageous, but what it means is you've got to admit because people typically end up a little bit better than their parents if they're lucky, and um, and to me, if uh, I think that's such a shame because if I look at my family, and I say, well, how many generations has my family been going? Well, essentially, shouldn't it get easier for each generation? Shouldn't life become better? And uh, and typically, it doesn't because of these silly beliefs that are handed down. And um, and so the very first thing you need to admit if you want to be better, you've got to admit that what you've been taught was wrong because you've got to learn something completely different because every meaning that you have, Paul trained on your six human needs. With your six human needs, when you're being unresourceful and you're meeting any of those needs unresourcefully, it comes from what you learned as a child. It comes from your experiences. It comes from who taught you. So in order to make different decisions, you've got to unlearn what you've already learned on that level. And you've got to have the right sphere of influence. Yes. What's that stereotype thing? Yeah, it's not breaking the stereotype, whatever it is. Well, it's the um, thing just at the start of the breaking, not breaking the stereotypes, the word you used. What was what? What was the word I used at the start with breaking stereotypes? Fracturing stereotypes. Yeah. Fracturing stereotypes. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll just say this to you, ready? 
companies who rupture an industry do so through fracturing stereotypes. Who's got, a, who's got a Samsung? Who's got a Samsung? Hands up. Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't. I'm not looking Samsung. Why are we so Samsung? Yeah, so, so tell me why. Watch this. Tell me why. Why? Why do you have a Samsung? Tell me. Oh, no, I don't. I've got Huawei, which is better. I know, there's shit, but why do you have one? It's the best camera because it's, it's got the best camera in the world. Okay, so listen to his response, right? Listen to his response because everywhere I go, these Android users, they all say the same thing, right? So he said best camera. So he's yeah. connected to the features. Who's got an iPhone? Who's an iPhone nut? Everyone. Yeah. So tell me, just one person, not all of you, but someone tell me why you've got an iPhone. Best camera. Bullshit. That's not why you believe, is it? Is it? So why do people have Apple? Someone tell me why you went with Apple, honestly. Because, sorry, I can tell you why they have it, because Apple's were designed to be simple, people to use. Yeah, no, you're, you're not allowed to answer. You're not allowed to answer. You might look good, but you've got to be quiet right now. We were muted. We were muted. Oh, Nathan. Well, it's not like Nathan to be quiet. Nathan, why do you have iPhone? Why do you have Apple? Tell me. Next to everything I have, it's easy to use. Okay. So typically, right, so look at your responses. When you get off air, stop and think about it. But typically what happens, right, is a Android user will talk about the features and benefits. An iPhone user will say it's just easy to use, it's convenient, um, I don't know, it just it feels good. And so the reason why that was an important illustration, because that's that's exactly in line with what I've been training on. Apple Apple gives you something that creates a feeling. That's why they dominate the marketplace. An Apple product, shit. Even though I've got Apple with everything, it's shit. You've got to have an app. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. But I don't see people lining up 24 hours beforehand to get a friggin' Hawaii or whatever it is and have Samsung. Um, um, but they line up. They line up for 24 hours to get a goddamn phone you can buy in a shop anyway. It's stupid. Not, not everyone has a high IQ and use a good phone. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, okay. I'll take that one. But do you get what I'm saying? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's how it works. And that's what you guys and girls need to create in that gym. You need to get people to buy in to why you do what you do. You had your hand up. What did you want to know? Um, it's not about Apple. Um, we're all in the sales environment. And um, most of times my team gets deflated when they hear a no. Um, but I know that that's the part of the game. What do you do or can you tell them no is a yes, but how to tackle it or how to take okay. it? So first of all, you can't say that to a client. You can't say no means yes. I'm just joking. I know that's not what you mean. But yes, that's exactly what you do. But I'll tell you why your team feels that way. I'll tell you why your team feels that way. Because they mustn't they mustn't know their numbers. If you knew your numbers, you would not be disheartened. I'll give you an example. So you should know how many people you have to speak to to get a yes. And you should know how many yeses you get to have a successful application. So if it were me, right, I would know for every 12 people, 
I get a level of interest and I get someone uh, fill out an application. From those, from three filled out applications, I have one person stick to a membership. So then it's pretty bloody simple. And I'll give you an illustration, right? If there are 100 people out on the street right now, you weren't allowed to hold up a sign, you weren't allowed to text, you weren't allowed to learn use anything other than speaking to them, right? And I said there were 30 members in that group of people. In addition to that, there's another 10 people who don't want to sign up, but if you treat them really, really nice, they're going to tell you who the 10 people are that want to sign up. How quickly would you talk to the 100 people and how would you treat them? And that's how you need to look at what you do. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 but know your numbers know your numbers and ask better questions L learn to ask better questions so you know for instance with selling instead of saying do you want to sell if you could look if there were, if you could be exactly where you'd prefer to be other than here where would that be oh, I'd love to be to the Gold Coast but we could never afford it okay and just suppose it were affordable how soon would you like to get there Oh, well, if it were affordable, we'd like to be there in February. Okay, and ultimately, what's that going to change for you? What are you going to get in the Gold Coast that you're not going to get here? Well, we're going to get meter maids. And what's that going to change for you? Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, did I go there? Did I? I was just joking. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? Can you see how you get, you know, remember this. What's thought-provoking questions? Get away from yes-no questions. Get a, Move more into thought-provoking questions. I'm sure he knows all this, Nathan, because he's signed up that many members. It was ridiculous. When he was down here, they used to open up gyms based on how many members he could get in a week. So I'm sure he knows these answers, but hopefully that's helping. <laughs> that was a good one. <clears throat> Thank you. Any other questions or are you happy? You were done? Happy? <laughs> what was that? Sorry? You guys do a lot of profiling? Yeah, we've just started doing profiling now. So I am hooked up um, with Scott Wilson from Wilson AI, who used to be the director of iSelect. Um, so, yes, we're doing profiling. We're doing that type of thing now at the moment. And, um, you know, was there, like, any context behind that? You're just curious to see if we did that. Oh, sorry, like this, this, that type? Oh, okay, that, disc. Yeah. Yes, okay. So you want to wait. Disc profile. Disc profile. Okay, so I thought you were talking something completely different, which was, you know, digital marketing, making sure that we're profiling who our clients are. So, sorry. Okay. Yes, disc profile. Yep, look, there's disc, there's anagram, there's all sorts of stuff. At the end of the day, um, as long as you can identify how you're talking to people and being who it is that you need to be in order to connect with them, that's perfect. Um, and I'm sure Nathan's all over that. But just remember this, people want to do business with people who are like them. So if you just remember that, people want to do business with people who are like them. And people are most important about them. People find the most important topic, the topic that's about them. So find out about them, talk about them, make them feel good about them. People remember how you make them feel, not what you do for them. So it's all about how you make them feel. Mm. Um, Steve, I think we've taken up plenty of your time. I really appreciate it. So thank you so much.
Okay, well, hopefully I've provided massive value to you and uh, you're going to get off and uh, kick some ass and uh, work on some of these things and make this your best sales month ever. Yes? Yes, absolutely. All right, so everyone get get their shirts off and flex. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Yeah, I got every single one of you here. All right, have an amazing day. All right. All right. See you. you. Cheers. Bye. If you like what you've heard today, remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. If you discovered us on YouTube, remember hit that bell so you can be notified when these new episodes become available. Leave a comment and we look forward to bringing you the latest material that's going to power your life with love.